What is going on, everybody? Mike Curlin here from the Bases Load Podcast. And just a reminder, for those who don't know, we have teamed up with Rotoballer this year for the 2020 season, which means we're joining the Rotoballer Radio Podcast Network. Since 2013, Rotoballer has been grinding away, providing millions of fantasy baseball players as their fix for in-depth MLB analysis and player news. If you haven't heard, Rotoballer's 2020 draft kit is live, and all Bases Loaded listeners can get 10% off Rotoballer's draft kit by using discount code BASESLOADED. Rotoballer is home to number one fantasy pros accuracy ranker Nick Mariano. Nick's 2020 rankings and projections are available as part of Rotoballer's draft kit, along with printable cheat sheets, draft sleepers and busts, and more than 300 2020 player outlooks and tons of in-season tools. All of this from Rotoballer is available for 10% off with discount code BASESLOADED. Just go to rotoballer.com slash bases loaded and get your draft kit today. And they're wagging him with the bases loaded and intentional walk to Barry Bonds. Two and two with the bases loaded and one out. Oh my God. Deep to right field. Way up there and way out of here. Second deck walk off. Hello and welcome in everybody to episode 122 of the Bases Loaded Fantasy Baseball Podcast. I'm your host Mike Curland. You can follow me on Twitter at Mike underscore Curland. And today I am rolling solo. We've we missed a week. I apologize. Sometimes you just need a little time off, but I've been writing a lot more. My articles you can find on rotoballer.com or you can just go to my Twitter and find them there. I did a deep dive on Otani and his struggles. I did a deep dive on Cronenworth and what you should expect rest of season, which is great things. He's been solid ever since still. But regardless, I haven't been on the mic. I apologize, but I am back. And again, I'm rolling solo today. We will get a couple more episodes out this week, but today I'm just going to highlight a few guys that, and by a few, I mean as many as I can, in the 30-minute to an hour window of just people, players that have been struggling or have been playing really well and what to expect the last month of the season. Unfortunately, I don't expect much good or bad to change for these players that have been playing very well. But this is because I don't think there's enough time for players to truly figure out what's going wrong, to adapt, and for pitchers to adapt to the players that are playing well. So if your player is playing well, I would just ride the hot streak. I wouldn't even sell high, and if, if you can even trade at this point. Or if a player is playing bad, I would probably bench them before dropping them, in the, especially in the bigger names, which we'll get to a few of them. But overall, it's just my strategy has been very much just play the hot hand. Don't try to overthink it. I haven't, I didn't buy low a lot this year. I just kind of held tight to my guys and played the good ones and sat the bad ones. But with that said, let's start. Oh, and today is the trade deadline. So as a Marlins fan, I'm seeing like VR got traded. We got Starling Marte. I'm loving it. But we're going to do a full reaction podcast this week. Either I'll do it solo or I'll get somebody on for sure. But we're going to do a full reaction podcast of every trade and the fantasy implications and break down from it. So with that said, let's get started with this stuff today. We have Kesson Hira, who's just been rough on the year. He hasn't really done much. He's giving you some power, some speed, but the strikeouts, the batting average has been so hard at stomach. Has he really been worth uh, rostering or not roster has he really been worth starting though because of the batting average i mean you can argue because of the three stone bases and seven home runs he has been and but he's but batting 227 is not what you wanted the babbit is very low at 297 and normally that would regress positively for him but we don't have time to see the regression take place the strikeouts are pretty much in line with last year too he's striking out 33.6 percent of the time that is very very high not what you want to see 
He struck out 30.7% of the time last year um, at the major league level. We know the guy can swing a bat, can hit for power, no problem. But that strikeout rate and that little BABIP are very concerning. I don't see it turning around over the next month. It's just not enough time for him to adjust. Pitchers have obviously adjusted to him, thus the struggles. But with the with the speed, the speed itself kind of keeps you uh, rostering him. And I saw people like in points leagues talk about dropping him stuff. I'm not there yet. I can't see. I can't drop a guy like this just because of the potential. He's still, you know, making good. He's still barreling the ball up really well. 11.1%. That's 76th percentile. The hard hit rate's still solid. But everything else is just just rough. And he is struggling. Pitchers have adapted a little bit. They're throwing more off speed, similar breaking to last year, more off speed and less fastballs. And he's not hitting hitting him as well as he has. The, the, mix, the mix has kind of messed with him, I guess. He's not catching up the balls like he, like he should be. I expect better things in 2021, but this year I'm kind of out on him. And again, we were talking about a guy who has the seventh worst K percentage of qual. Okay, of qualified hitters, I should say, he has the seventh worst K percentage at 33.3 percent. Like I like I mentioned, or it's 33.6. I apologize. The worst contact rate of 55.2 percent, the second worst swinging strike rate of 22.4 percent, and the worst whiff rate of 46.3 percent, which is like the first percentile. All in all. We're looking at a guy who's just swinging and missing way too much for for our liking. A guy who's just not seeing the ball as well as he did last year. And the strikeouts are really catching up to him and really holding him back. He's a guy that, unless I'm desperate for speed, I'm sitting. Because, again, three stolen bases, you can't you, – you have a hard time sitting somebody who's obviously still in bases. But if you do not need the steals, here uh, the power isn't enough to justify the to that drag on your batting average for a month. And – I would just sit him for the time being. I mean, again, a guy who's solid, who I don't, I'm not really too concerned long term. Maybe I, don't, I never thought he was the 300 hitter that he showed to be last year, but still a guy that you just expected more out of. And maybe he's maybe he's more of a 260, 270 hitter, which again isn't bad. But you're not paying a third round pick for that. And let's just take a look at his last couple of weeks. Yeah, he, I mean, the last month he's batting 219. Last two weeks he's batting 229. But again. It's the stolen bases that keep his value at, uh, up a little bit. He's a guy that, again, just sitting unless I need stolen bases. Another player that I was out on for the full season, in on for the stolen bases in a in a shortened season, but he's been so hard to roster. You can't even start him unless you need stolen bases that badly. The guy that I'm zero interested in is Alberto Mondesi. My gut said be out on him. And then I decided to get in on him for the short season for the stolen base potential, which he hasn't disappointed. He's given you eight stolen bases, but zero home runs and only two RBI with a 190 batting average. He is in all for all intents and purposes, Billy Hamilton of 2020. The guy has just been terrible. You go look at his his uh, his page, his uh, savant page, and everything is blue. We're talking the highest percentile here is his ex- average exit velocity of 35 35th percentile. Everything is lower than that. He strikes out too much. His plate discipline, I thought, couldn't get worse. <laughs> it did, or it has, or at least this year. Maybe he's pressing. I'm not sure what's going on, but the guy is striking out more than last year at a 30.2% clip, walking less, like a career worst, 1.6%. That is absurd. The guy is just not taking pitches. And I think pit hitters are adjusting. I mean, if you look at his O swing, it's a little better than last year, but still an absurd 40.2%. So he's still swinging at a bunch of pitches outside the zone. But the worst part is he's making a ton of contact on those pitches. 
And his sprint speed of seven, um, in the 97th percentile will typically allow for players to make, who make bad contact to outproduce, you know, the what typically like what type of a batting average you typically would produce when you make bad contact. But he's making more weak contact, more than likely. I haven't I actually have to look at that. But he's making more bad contact, especially if, you're, if he's taking if he's swinging at pitches outside the zone, and he's making less contact on pitches in the zone, which is the opposite of what you want. You want players obviously making more contact in the zone, less or at least I mean, if you're making more outside the zone, it's fine. But if you're not hitting the ball hard, it's a bunch of weak contact. I'm guessing defenses have adjusted, probably play him in a little more, so he has a hard time beating out those balls that he would beat out normally. And you can see it; he's seeing less pitches in the zone. His zone percentage is down for the second straight season. So with his willingness to swing outside the zone, his willingness and the fact he's making more contact outside the zone leads to, you know, worse contact. And he's not that's why he's not going to he's not going to hit the ball hard. I mean, he's not barreling the ball because he's not seeing the ball in the zone enough or he's not hitting the ball in the zone enough either. So his barrel rate's down. So the power itself is down as well all around. And he's just not playing well. Is there potential for next year to be some for there's going to be some correction? He's not going to be I don't think he's a 199 hitter. Or one nine, what was what I say it was one ninety hitter. Sorry, his XBA is one ninety nine, so he's not even like he's pretty much in line with his performance. But we've seen him last year; he had an XBA of two thirty seven last year, and two years ago an XBA of two sixty. I always thought he was more of like a two fifty two, two forty ish, two fifty hitter. But the stolen bases would carry his his value. However, the stolen bases are barely carrying it now. But you need to you need to play him if you have him because stolen bases are such a ridiculously hard commodity to come by. But again, another player that. In points leagues, like he's a drop. In any type of points formats, or if you can punt um, in a head-to-head categories league, maybe if you can still sell them, maybe you can try. But no one's going to be – I mean, I, w- I would take a hot player off the waiver wire form right now, to be honest. But in roto formats, if you do not need steals, he is a drop as well. Let somebody else roster the bad four categories because he's only giving you one category right now. And there's he's just – I think he's done this year. It's just lost year for him. He could be a good value next year, but I am completely out on Mondesi. There is no talking me into Mondesi coming around for this final month. Nothing in the behind the scenes suggests it either. And another player that I have yet to look at before I put this list together was Jose Altuve, a guy who's been, for all intents and purposes, a bust. And there's no doubting the, the fact that he's been a bust. And if you look at his uh, underlying numbers, you can see he's really struggling. I mean, when you have, you have three home runs and two stolen bases, but he's batting 211, 276, 316. People are going to chalk this up to him, you know, being a cheater over the last few years. He is entering, he is in his age 30 season. So maybe the decline is just here. But you look at the strikeouts and walks, the walks are pretty much are right in line with last year, 7.6%. Same, same 7.5 last year, just to give you an idea. But the strikeouts have jumped up 4.3%. He still has an above average strikeout rate, but the strikeouts are up way more than they were last year. Again, could that be because he's not seen the ball well? Was it because he knew what was coming the last few years? Hard to say. It's but the proof is starting to be like, well, maybe that's what it was. And his bat, but his BABIP is low. Another guy who's suffering from a lower BABIP, but his BABIP was only 303 last year. It's 245 this year, so he still should have a better batting average. And his XBA is 235. So again, although not great by any means, we're still talking about 20 plus points of correction. And if you look at his plate discipline, which we will do that right now together, because again, he's a guy that I like to look at some of these players live as I talk about them. So you get my raw reaction. You get my full dive into them and you get to see kind of like, cause I don't like to come in with any preconceived reasons to not like a player. So I like to kind of react on the go and you see his O swing. 
Uh, he's a guy that has never had an O swing this high, at least since 2013. And <laughs> it's taken a huge spike. He is chasing a bunch of pitches outside the zone from 32.7%, which is about league average last season to 37.6%. So again, he's swinging at way more pitches outside the zone. He's swinging more as a whole. So he's more aggressive altogether. And because the swing rate's up 2% this year, but his, his own swing, he's not seeing the ball as well as last year either because his own swing has gone down. So he's swinging at more pitches as a whole, but the, all those, the swings are coming outside the zone, but he's still making, um, but he's making less contacts on those less, less contact on those pitches he's swinging at, which is a problem. Obviously that's where the batting average issues come in. So you add in the fact that he's chasing more, you add in the fact that he's uh, missing more pitch missing, on pitches he's swinging at outside the zone more, but he's also missing at pitches inside the zone apparently because his swinging strike rate is up. So if pitches that are thrown in the zone he's swinging at, he's still missing a lot because his swinging strike rate is up 1.4% from last year. However, he's he's making less contact, like I said, but the Z contact, he's making more. He's actually making more Z contact than, than, than last year. So it's a weird, it's a, that's a little bit weird to see considering he's missing so much and his whiff rate, is probably up to yes it is up 1.2 percent from last season not a huge jump but still jump nonetheless there's more swing and miss in the game he's just not playing well the ground ball rate is up the he's not pulling the ball as much so he's more of a, kind of all fields would play better but when you're hitting that when you're hitting more ground balls it's never a good thing i don't see anything that's encouraging in the profile nothing here says to me you know what Altuve is going to bounce back. And he's actually seeing a little bit of a pitch mix change. He's seeing less fastballs than last year, more breaking balls, and more off speed. And he's hitting 235 against off speed with an XBA of 271. So he is underperforming against breaking or off speed. He is underperforming against fastballs, batting 235 with an XBA of 266. But he's hitting breaking balls just like he should, and he's seeing more of them. So the pitch, pitchers have attacked him differently. And maybe even though reports said that he was never one to use the sign stealing stuff. I'm starting to believe he was because he suddenly can't hit anything. <laughs> like, I don't understand what's going on here. I want, I hate using that as a cop out as far as why he's struggling, but that really does suggest what is going on, what going wrong here. And you're again, you're looking at a guy who's just the underlying metrics all suggest he's like, should continue to struggle. I'm not seeing any reason to believe in, in the bounce back this final month and going into next year. It's going to be hard to really rank him because you want to give Altuve a little bit of benefit of the doubt that maybe it's in his head this year. Maybe there's more there than we can see. Maybe he's playing through an injury. I don't know, but this year I'm out on Altuve, and he's borderline droppable in in, in redraft. I, I, no, can't drop him. Got to bench him. Uh, he's droppable in 10-teamers, shallowest formats. I would say he's droppable there because there's always so much on labor wire. I see so many questions about 10-teamers come my way. He's a guy that I would drop in a 10-teamer, but would definitely hold on to in 12s or deeper if possible. But if I'm desperate, I need to, you know, you need to make a move. He's somebody, let somebody else speculate because right now I, there's nothing, there's nothing that shows that he will come around. It's just, it's unfortunate. And I mean, let's see his last seven to 14 games. So let's just see what he's been up to. Cause again, I have no, I, I, I avoided him in all drafts. In the last two weeks, he hasn't done nothing for, in terms of counting stats, really, but he's at least batting 268. But over the last week, he's batting 188. So, again, it was not like he's catching a little bit of a hot streak or anything like that. He's just a guy that, yeah, there's nothing there. Go ahead and, I guess, cut bait early. Tens, shallow 12s with, like, you know, shallow benches. 
he's hard to hold on to. And we have a month left. You got to make a move. You're in third place. You're in fourth place, and you kind of need stats now. You can't start Altuve. He's not the guy to start. So go ahead and um, do what you got to do. I, I totally – I hate saying cut him, but, I mean, we have, like I said, a month left. Got to do it. Next guy here is Glaber Torres. Now, he's injured, so it's not fair. But he was a bust of mine coming into the season. There was no way he was going to justify that price of his. And although I'm not worried long term, this year he was looking rough. He's a guy that, again, he needs to come back from injury still. But he was barreling the, barreling the ball less. He was not hitting nearly as well. The the Now, the play discipline was, a fa- was fantastic. 13.2% walk rate prior to injury, 18.7% K rate. So he was seeing the ball well. But his BABIP was pretty much in line with last year's, 283 to 296. So obviously the BABIP regression, there isn't much there to be had. And he was batting 231. The problem is, is I, like he profiled to be more of a 250-260 hitter. But because, you know, last year he put up a 278 and the year before people, uh, 271, people just assumed he was a 270-280 hitter. I thought 270 was possible, but he just didn't profile to be much much of one. I don't know. It didn't make sense with the Babbitt being kind of low and being a pull like a heavier pull ball hitter, especially last year. But this year he wasn't pulling the ball nearly as much. Last year and the two year before, over 42%. This year, 34.4%. The ground balls spiked upward of four, in four, to 42.6% this year. Less ground balls. Sorry, more ground balls. Never a good thing you want any for any hitter. But especially Torres, who doesn't even have plus speed. I mean, 34th percentile this year, a sprint speed just wasn't hat wasn't good the hard hit rate was still above average in the 59th percentile but again a guy who depends on probably pulling the ball a little more and putting more balls in the air and he wasn't doing that likely due to the fact that he's seeing more breaking pitches than ever before it shot up almost well, like almost almost 10 percent from 34.3 percent last year he's seeing he was seeing 41.1 percent breaking balls this year so pitchers obviously adapted seeing that he struggled with breaking balls the most last year and he was struggling with him this year. wasn't even hitting 100 against him. Again, very small sample, unfortunately. But he was just getting he was getting less and less fastballs because he can crush a fastball. has has a hard time with the breaking pitches. And again, pitchers adjusted. And we'll have to see how that hap- how that occurs, how that comes uh, when he comes back, how that happens, like if that continues. With the, the overall plate discipline, though, again, we saw gains in plate discipline. He was probably spitting on a lot of those breaking pitches, but overall, just not hitting the ball as far as quality goes well. So with the barrel rate down, the sweet spot percentage down, the hard hit rate actually up from last year. He's just, he just wasn't pulling. He's probably just, again, just sitting on fastballs, but not getting as many causing issues with the, um, with the production overall, though, not concerned long-term might be a value next year. He might actually be uh, priced appropriately. And you might see, you'll see a solid bounce back because the guy was still flashing solid on base skills, 341 OBP, the power wasn't there again. One home run, no stolen bases. But Yankee Stadium, heart of that lineup. I expect him to be a solid player. That, like again next year, just he was never going to justify the late, late second. Sometimes you saw him the third, the early third or mid third round pick. He just wasn't just going to justify that this year. Was more of a three and a half category producer or so type of guy. But I think that there's actually some encouraging things here because again, when you see the ball as well as you have, he has. And with the strikeout rates and the walk rates being where they are, I expect the rest of it to catch up to that. I, d- I never thought he, I thought he was more of a 25, maybe 30 home run hitter because Yankee Stadium, the 38 home runs just felt like an anomaly to me. Again, just solid player going to next year. I think there's going to be, I think he'll hit like 260, like I said, 260-ish, 270 was still like something I thought was possible, but I always thought he was more in line. And again, even though he's hit 271, 278 the last two years, 
his XBAs of those last two years were, were 257, 262. So his expected mega average, he always overproduced that. And this year he's actually hitting right in line, 231, 233. So overall, just a solid player long-term and in the future. But this year I'm not bet- betting on the bounce back because now not only does he have to come back from injury, but he has to bounce back with the comeback. And I just don't see the two pairing up for the short season. Not a drop. I have more confidence in him than – than, K- than Keston Hira, actually, and Jose Altuve. So I would definitely hold on to him. A guy I'm totally bought in on, though. Let's go positive. Let's be positive for once. Let's go Bryce Harper. Bryce Harper's a guy that he, we've seen him do this. The problem is, is he usually does it in spurts. We're catching a hot streak. He's usually, like, I believe last year he did well in the second half as well. He's just a guy that, man, everything's going right. Everything's clicking. And when everything's clicking for him, yeah, he hit 270 last year, by the way in the second half and it, it almost just like like flowed over into this season he's doing very well and a guy that maybe just like just like machado you know what both of them kind of in that second year of that mega deal the pressure isn't as high to, to perform we have harper batting 290 this year i don't think machado was hitting that well as far as batting average let's check i didn't put him on this list for some reason because i'm just totally buying into machado Bouncing back to being who we expected him to be. Oh, he's hitting 309. He wasn't hitting that high last time, last time I looked at him, but Machado's hitting amazingly too. So you have two guys just bouncing back to what we expected. The strikeouts are back down for Machado as well. The walk rate is up. Let's see for Harper. Harper, his strikeout rate's way down, and his walks are back up to where we expect him to be when he was with the Nationals anyway. And these are both guys that power and speed are there. They both have the sneaky little stolen base upside. Both have the big power upside, obviously. Guys, I'm totally bought back in on Harper. I would never left. Harper was actually a late second, early, uh, sorry, a early second round pick in my estimation this year. Still a guy that is whiffing more than you'd like as far as just because he has that in his game. It's built into his game at this point. That swing kind of can just give you some whiffs. But ultimately, a guy that I have zero concerns with. I think he's going to, I think him and Machado are going to end up finishing this year strong. They're going to, they, they, again, they steal enough bases to be relevant in five categories. You're going to see them creep into the late first round again next year. And Machado's a guy that, going just talking about him, he finally has a team around him. That's the thing. Like last year, he came in, he had, the team was okay. You know, Tatis was called up, but he struggled, Tatis struggled with injury and he didn't have much around him. But this year, they have Trent Grisham, they had Fam, but they have Hosmer hitting and hitting for power, who's another guy we'll get to in, in a moment. They have just so many. They have a team around him. And I know, oh, Cronenworth is coming around. Will Myers. I can't believe I forgot these names. Like they, they blanked for a second there. But just a, just a bunch around him. And he finally doesn't have to be the only one to perform. The only He doesn't have to press as hard. He doesn't have to try as hard to justify that contract. He's having fun. And Manny having fun is great for baseball, great for him. And we're seeing it in the production. I think this is the Manny that we're going to see going forward. Maybe I'm bullish, but I'm buying in. I think there's a lot there to like for Manny Machado, and it's all kind of supported in the underlying numbers, but obviously he's, I don't think he's a 300 hitter again. I still think he's close to that 270, 280 range. So there should maybe there's going to be some regression there, but maybe I just, just not this season. I think I'm thinking more like next year, but regardless, that team continues to get better. They made trades. They got Clevenger. That team is going for it this year and next. And yeah, I mean, I love everything I'm seeing from Manny Machado. Line drive rate is up. Five five balls are about the same as last year, but his ground ball rate is down. And with with line drive rate up, and let's see, he's not he's pulling the ball more too, actually. So 
the power will definitely continue to be there. Launch angle is up from last year, which is allowing him, which is actually giving him a career. Right now, he has a career best barrel rate, career best sweet spot rate. So the power again can play. Period. Like he's oh, the power wasn't a fluke in Camden by any means. It was the batting average we were concerned about, but the batting average is also expected to be there. Again, another guy that his, his XBA actually is 335. So he's actually underperforming his batting average at 309 right now, according to StatCast. But with that said, I still expect Manny to be Manny. I still expect closer to 280 batting average, which again is very solid. But if he's back to a 300 hitter, he's full on five category guy, deserving every bit of that background first round pick next year. I expect him to be a top, what, top 10, top 15 bat the rest of the season. That Padres team is not slowing down for anybody. It's they're fun to watch. Manny's having a great time. Tatis is amazing. But Manny's just being Manny. And anybody who drafted him on the bounce back, you're being rewarded and you should completely buy in and be happy with what you got. Eric Hosmer, his teammate, this is all we ever wanted from him. His launch angle isn't even that high. It's only at 8.7 degrees, but that is still by far a career high and doubled any rate in the past. And with it, we're seeing the success we finally wanted. He's batting 290. He actually has, he's sneaky, two stolen bases with 18 percentile sprint speed. So the team, it just goes to show you that team is running, period. He has seven home runs, and this is after coming back from injury. He's barreling the ball up, again, better than ever before. Another guy with a sweet spot percentage up. And he's a guy who's always had a good hit tool. So you're putting, you're giving me the good hit tool plus a guy who's putting the ball in the air more. It pairs well together. The home runs will continue. The ground ball rate is down. 10% from last year and and the first time it's been sub 50% in his career and we're seeing the line drive rate really jump up which will support the batting average and again he's pulling the ball more than he's ever pulled the ball last time he's pulled the ball even over 30% of the time was in 2016 it's at a career high 38.5% still hitting it to center a lot but you know again that's gonna again with the batting average with the, with the line drive rate and pulling the ball more and just putting the ball in the air more it's going to lead to more power production and we're going to see this continue. I think this continues on into next year. He's a guy who could just hit the ball very well. And you put that hit again, that hit tool with that power or with the um, with the launch angle change. Good things were bound to come. And it's about time for Hosmer. And I think he's finally going to justify that contract. All in all, I'm completely bought into Hosmer. And we're seeing the strikeout rates back down to that 2017 range. That 2015, 2016, 2017 range where it was sub 20% those three years. It's 15% right now. Goes back to that great lineup around him. He always seems to have somebody on base ahead of him. So pitchers can't really pitch around him. All in all, solid guy. I expect him to be a top 10 first baseman, maybe top 12-ish first baseman the rest of the way, which is fantastic considering he was barely a top 30 first baseman for most, including myself coming into this year. Completely wrong on Hosmer, but it was more... We heard rumblings of the of the swing change. We heard rumblings of the launch angle, but I wanted to see it first because I think he's acknowledged needing to do it in the past and didn't. This year, he finally did it. He bought in, and it seems like that team as a whole has just tweaked uh, hitting approaches and tweaked uh, mechanics up and down the lineup. Will Myers, we see, changed his approach. We saw Tatis even kind of have a little change in his swing, and now Hosmer as well. A lot to like here. And a lot to buy into with the Padres as a whole. Next guy on this list, we'll do a couple more here because we're kind of I'm kind of really diving into each one. You Darvish, man, making us real making making that second half look good. And that's the thing; it's it's continued from the second half. So we we know it's not it's not really just a small sample anymore. 
The second half has kind of rolled over into the this first half. The walks are still down. The strikeouts are, I mean, the walk the K minus walk rate was 23.7% over the full season last year. It's at 26% this year. And the walks are down still. Like the second half walks were not a fluke, or the, the lack of walks were not a fluke. He's continuing the great walk, the great walk rate. And that's what we wanted to see. That was the only thing people weren't buying into. You have the Sierra at a 3.17. So even at the very and that's his worst metric, uh, underlying metric. The FIP and XFIP are 2.02 and 2.83 with an ERA of 1.47. If he regressed to a low threes ERA guy, which over a full season, I thought I think he would still be a low threes, high two ERA guy, but that is fantastic. He is a top five starting pitcher right now. And I would say he's probably top 10 entering next year. And all we needed to see was could he continue from where he left off in the second half? And he has. But there is regression, a notable regression coming his way. The, the strain rate is at 90%. League average and his career average like is right around that 75 to 76%. So you know he's going to get some some uh, strain rate. like That's going to regress a little bit. But the BABIP is at 314, which is actually the highest it's been since 2014 with the Rangers. So you can argue the BABIP is going to regress positively for him as well. So if you have positive – so that should balance each other out. The home run rate is down. The guy can throw like 15 pitches. I, I'm not exaggerating, but it's like legitimately 10 or so pitches the guy has in his arsenal. And he's just finding success. The strike, like everything's there. I'm buying in Darvish, even at 34 years old. I think it just took him this long to get right, maybe to get that confidence back. His O swing is right in line with last year. His swing strike rate is actually up. So he's inducing more swinging strikes this year. It's exactly what you want to see. And he's doing so while attacking the zone a little more. So I'm really bought into Darvish, and I think he's back to being that top seven to top ten starting pitcher this year and moving forward, like next year too. I'm not concerned about the injuries; it seems to be past them. And you got to be confident in what you see in Darvish, and I'm, it makes me really happy to say that. So let's talk. Um, let's do two more. We'll keep it short, and then we'll do a part two and part three. There's so many names we talk about. Let's talk about Frankie Montas, and he's a guy that I just think is hurt. I think there's just I think he was you know that back injury simply that back injury occurred and once that back injury happened he ne- he was never the same after that back injury. He's a guy that was just so- kind of cruising kind of solid before that and he's a guy that again was just kind of, he's kind of unlucky right now with his strand rate being lower than league average and lower than his career average. The ERA is 6.06 but the FIP and XFIP everything's like a run or two lower. I think ultimately, though, it's that I think he's fighting injuries. I think he's pitching through injury. He could probably use an IL stint. He his walk rate is up, like almost doubled last year. I just don't understand what we're seeing here. I think it's more again, just more of him just trying to battle the injury or battle. Yeah, his his walk rate's pretty much double, actually more than doubled from last season, with the strikeout rate being down, but not terrible. Twenty two point three percent strikeouts. Uh, strikeout rate is not bad at all, but he's a guy that's just. He can't. He needs to get right. He needs to get healthy. And I just, like, let's see. Like, actually, let's look this up on the fly because I, I should have looked this up prior to be honest, but I did not. Let's look up his uh, velocity. See if that's dipped at all. Because that could be. I mean, it wouldn't surprise me if it has dipped. Because again, he's pitching through injury. At least I believe he is. I'm, I'm like really bought into the fact that he's pitching through injury. And yeah, you've seen his since um what. Is that July, July and August? From July to August, his four seam velocity has dipped. His slider velocity has dipped, and his split finger, but his split finger and sinker are relatively in line. So we're talking about just a little bit off the top of those two pitches. But regardless, that's still something. It's still something to be concerned about. Still something to worry about. And it could help make you understand why he's struggling the way he is, as far as all the underlying stuff. 
But again, I really think it's just him pitching through injury. He could become a good value, a good buy low in Dynasty, a good value coming into next year's drafts, and just something, again, something to monitor. I'm not, uh, I'm concerned for this year, though. As far as this year goes, I wouldn't be confident ever starting him, to be completely honest. And, yeah, I mean, to say he's a drop is tough, but definitely not, definitely not, Um, yeah, not confident. Another player that is finally coming around, we are so happy to see it, Tyler Glass now. No one ever questioned the stuff. It was just a matter of him getting it right. His walks are up, but his strikeouts are up too. And he's a guy that his ERA is 5.14 with a FIP of 3.52 and an XFIP of three of 2.75. What's this? His series 317. So the guy is pretty much, um, his ERA is pretty much a run and a half to two runs higher than it should be. His walks and his strikeouts are, his walks are up that, which is concerning falling in line with 2018's walk rate, but the strikeout rate is absurd. It's 39.3%. This is coming off a 33% walk rate last or K rate last year. His K minus walk is actually up 1%. His K minus walk last year was 26.9%. It's 27.9%, even with the increase in walk rate. He can be effective. And his last two starts have been very, very good. We're seeing it. We're seeing it come together. He was a guy that was just not quite there over the last two starts. You see a seven-inning outing with 13 Ks, a 5.2-inning outing with 8 Ks. Both of those came with a low th- – one came with a 3.18 ERA, the other with a 2.57 ERA. But the more impressive part and the part that you need to look out for is the whip. His whip over those last two starts is 0.87 pretty much. Like a 0.88 in one start, 0.86 in another. I'm just giving you the average in the middle. The dude is clicking. His control is, seems to be a little uh, – has seems to be back over the last two starts. And with that comes the ace upside – and as long as he has that control under control, for lack of a better uh, term, this is a guy that I expect to give you ace production, top 10 pitcher rest of season, as long as he can keep up the control. If he loses that control again, or if he, he might actually be volatile because control can be an issue with him. But if he can keep it up for the rest of, like I said, if he can keep up the control for the rest of the season, I'm buying into the, Buying into the, the 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 production. Gosh, I can't talk. I'm getting all this all this. Uh, it's just it's just a lot. It's just a lot with him. It's just I'm looking at a lot of the numbers and it's just it's exciting. I think I think he's back though. I'm buying into the production being solid. Just don't be discouraged by one shaky outing. I think he could be the ace down the stretch for that you've been that you drafted him to be. So if you bought low, congratulations. I think there's a lot there to like. Jose Barrios is one one of the final guys I want to bring up. Just a guy that is underperforming. Um, it's, it's it's upsetting. But the problem is, is he's always been like a low four, high threes type of guy. Like his his ERA last year was three point six eight. The, one, the year before was three point eight four. This year it's four point seven five. But his FIP and XFIP kind of support the three point seven five. All his FIP, XFIP, and Sierras are like low to mid fours. The strikeouts are up a little bit, but the walks are up. And that's the concerning part because he's never been a guy to have the walk rate he has. After two straight years of a K minus walk rates of of 17% or better, it's it's down to 13.4. And this could suggest he's just nibbling a little bit. Maybe he's pitching, uh, trying to induce more swinging strikes. But the problem is, is he actually has more swinging strikes. Uh, his swing strike rate is up, but his O swing is way down. So he's actually getting way less chases out of the zone. So maybe maybe hitters are starting to, realize you know what let me let me just sit fastball on him because that's what i'm thinking is happening 
He's throwing less fastballs, more curves this year, but and way way more changeups. That's yeah, he's changed his pitch mix up, and I think pitchers are just kind of sitting back and wait, sitting on that fastball because the fastball usage, although his fastball is down, it's still the second most thrown pitch, and hitters are hitting that four seamer to the tune of a four twenty nine batting average, eight eighty six slug, and it is absurd. They are killing that fastball. They can't hit the curve. The sinker has been pretty – every other pitch has been pretty effective, but that four-seamer is getting crushed. So him throwing it less and less, hopefully he continues to throw it less, and we'll see some uh, positive – some changes there. But that O-swing is way down, so he's getting way less swings outside the zone, which could explain why the walk rate is up because if he's inducing less swinging strikes – or, sorry, less swings outside the zone, pitchers are, that means pitchers are chasing less, which means they're going to walk more. So, yes, there could be some positive change or positive regression there, I'm just concerned that, unfortunately, the ERA is kind of in line with what we expect. The strand rate is kind of in line with what we expect. The BABIP isn't that high. It's only 319, and he's been like a 299, 270, 289 over the last three years. So, ultimately, I guess this is kind of who he is. I mean, the strikeout rate is sustainable, but it's all about can he get those walks in line. The walks are actually the highest they've been since 2016. And even walks per nine, looking at that, highest it's been since 2016. I just don't. It's that's not who he is. He's not a high walk guy. So I think he'll get that under control. But again, a month, a month of a month left, even at his best, he's he's just a solid pitcher. He's never been anything above average. We always want him to take this step and we hope he can. And maybe he can next year and he'll be a better value. But he's a guy that you start him because his matchups are going to be against teams like the Pirates or the Detroit, the Royals, etc. But there's just not a lot of exciting things to see here. And Although I expect better, not much better, and that's the problem. And but unless you can get those, if you can get those walks down and get that O swing back up, maybe we see the the K rate take a little bit of a of a spike upwards. So I'm not too concerned about him long term or even in the short term. But it's just not an exciting profile. It's just he's Jose Barrios. And you know what? Let's do one more because we talked about a lot here. Let's talk about I got a bunch of names on this list here. Let's talk about someone I get a lot of questions on. A fan favorite, or at least my fan, my favorite, is Pete Alonzo. He's a guy that I was fading coming into the year. I thought he was going to be more of a three-category producer, and he's barely even been the three-category producer we wanted to be. Everything is down across the across the uh, across the line for him. His batting average is lower than expected. I thought he'd be closer to like a 240 hitter. He's hitting 215 right now. Barrel rate is down, and that was kind of his bread and butter was how well he barreled the ball last year. His K rate is up, and that's the problem. Is It's been up since the second half last year. Second half last year was like roughly like 28%. This year, it's at 27.9% as well. So the K rate, the K, the strikeout issues have continued from the second half. So we're getting a lot, like the, the sample size for him is, rather large compared to others because we're seeing the same issues follow him from the second half where he batted 235 and the strikeout rate being around 28% and it's sustaining that strikeout rate's still the same. The the batting average is still in line with that. And it's, it's unfortunate. I never, but his walk rate, he still sees the ball well as far as his walk rate, because his walk rate is actually better than last year, 12.9% compared to 10.4. But if you thought you were getting yourself a 250, 260 hitter, I think 250, 260 was the ceiling. That was my thing. That was my argument with him. I always thought like he was never going to be that type of hitter to hit that well. And we, we're seeing it. We're seeing the in an OBP format. He's worth every bit of what you're paying because he will always walk a ton. But 
And the batting average will always be an issue. He's never going to be a high batting average guy. He's a guy that should be going. The power was up there, but the power potential was there because of the fact of how the quality of contact. He was never like a 90th percentile exit velocity or hard hit rate guy. I don't think he was last year anyway. I'm pretty sure it was like 70th or maybe 80th percentile if I remember correctly. Unfortunately, we got the 2020 stats, not the 2019. But regardless, no one questioned the power was always there. Like he was always above average in power. But I I thought last year, like as crazy as it sounds, I thought last year was going to be the career years in terms of home runs because it's not, I mean, hitting 50 home runs is really difficult to do. He hit 53 last year. And there was just, I didn't see that. And I still don't see him doing that in the future. I think, don't get me wrong, can he hit 40 again? Absolutely. I just never see him hitting 50 again. I know it's crazy to say for a, what is he, a 25-year-old player? Yeah, 25. But I think very. I think last year, his rookie year, which we don't see that often, but I think his rookie year might have been his career year in terms of overall production, batting 260 with 53 home runs, 100 runs, and 100, 103 runs, and 120 RBI. I don't see that in his future ever again. I can see 100 RBIs. I can see 40 home runs, but that but that coming with like a 240, 250 batting average. That is not a third-round talent. And he was drafted in the third rounds this year. If you were lucky, you'd get him in the fourth. I was not a fan. And there's just – it's strictly with him, it's the strikeout rates. He, strike outs too, he, strike out, he strikes out too much. I can't talk today. But the issue also is that he's hitting way more ground balls. His ground ball rate is the highest it's ever been, even if you look back in the minors. It's never been 46.8%. He's hitting way less, or way more ground balls. Launch angle is actually down. So this could suggest that he's getting on top of balls a little bit. But he's hitting way more ground balls, way less fly, way less fly balls. And with his profile, you need him to hit more fly balls because you need the power to play. And he's not going to, and he's not fast enough to beat out ground balls. So, and he's actually pulling the ball less as well, which could suggest pitchers are attacking him differently, probably uh, throwing more in uh, different zones. But he's actually seeing more fastballs, and he's a guy that can crush fastballs. And right now, he's underperforming against fastballs as a whole. So, batting 209 against fastballs with an XBA of 246. But the pitch mix might have screwed him up. Maybe they're, again, it's all about where they're throwing him as well. They could be attacking the zone differently. And all overall, though, Pete Alonso, there's nothing here that says he's going to bounce back this year. I have an ongoing bet with Eric Cross that Kyle Lewis will outproduce Pete Alonso going, um, going into this final month. I said that Kyle Lewis was, out, was going to outproduce uh, Pete Alonso a couple weeks ago on a podcast with Justin Mason. And this is a shameless victory lap because I still think that's going to happen. Although Pilonzo will hit home runs. I think it's going to be a lot of, it's going to be one of those like three games of like really bad batting average. Oh, for threes, one for threes, maybe with like, or one for fours with like, with a couple strikeouts, maybe an RBI and then boom, two home run game. And that's why I have to watch. That's why all I'm going to worry about with him going on the stretch, but he's going to be streaky. He can hit home runs in bunches, but he's a guy that, you can't drop him. I think he's not droppable. He's 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 still valuable in points leagues because he still walks plenty to kind con- of counteract those strikeouts. But man, there's a lot here to be concerned about. The con- he's making less contact as a whole as well. Like just to add, just to pile on at this point. But again, it is what it is. Short season. He doesn't have time to adjust. Will he be okay going forward? I think so. But I think you need to get those um that stuff that idea of him being the hitter he is. Um kind of have to kind of adapt to this being the new normal for him. So overall, P. Alonso, three category producer at best, and a guy that I'm kind of concerned about going forward the rest of the season. And that's going to do it. Like I said, we have I have another list of about 15 or so names. I'll hit those up on the next podcast. We're going to do a couple of these because I know there's a lot of names. And that's the crazy part about this year. 
I have like I've legitimately been like anxious to do podcasts because there's so many names to talk about because we have a month left. I want to talk about a lot of these names, good and bad, that people are concerned about. Give my two cents and hope to help you out for this final month because this final month is huge because there's so much that can still change and and happen over this final month. So I'm planning on knocking out another one of these or two of these this week alone, even if they're solo because of of availability of my co-hosts. But I want to get out because there's legitimately normally you have time to to react normally you're like all right give them a chance to turn it around we'll talk about a few of these guys here a few of these guys there but with how quick the season's going the season's gonna be over before i have a chance to talk about everybody so i'm dedicating podcasts just to talk about these guys so today we talked about Alberto Mondesi, manny machado glaber torres jose altuve bryce harper you darvish tyler glass now jose barrios frankie montas and Keston Hira, oh, and Pete Alonso. So I gave that's eleven names that we discussed that I got a chance to kind of break, dive into and give my thoughts on. <laughs> I got, like I said, I got another list of easily probably I'll probably add more to it. It'll be about twenty more names. Probably do two more podcasts. So again, I thank you guys for listening so much. You can follow me on Twitter at Mike underscore Curlin, Bases Loaded Pod at Bases Loaded Pod on Twitter and Instagram. And we truly appreciate you listening to us through all this time. Through all this is crazy grind. We're gonna do a trade recap episode. It's going to be just so much going on right now. I hope you guys are enjoying it. I hope uh, feedback is always encouraged. Five-star rating review on your way out is always helpful. We appreciate all of them. But until then, guys, uh, we just appreciate the ongoing support. Appreciate listening, and we will talk to you soon.